Welcome to this GCP short where we will be talking all about captive structures and the often invisible costs that are insurance premium taxes and other levies. We have three guest speakers to talk us through some really practical and real life examples of how tax liability and compliance responsibilities change depending on how a captive program is structured. This discussion should be particularly helpful to anyone involved with the design, implementation or management of global insurance programs. Two of our guest speakers are from Friend of the Podcast TMF and they are Karen Jenner who was a guest co-host of episode 28 and Joseph Finbo. And our third speaker providing some really valuable captive owner insights is Lisa Kuma, Senior Group Insurance Manager at telecommunications giant Vodafone. Full titles and biographies of our free speakers can be found in the episode description and on globalcaptivepodcast.com. So indirect and transactional taxes that arise on insurance premiums or insurance policy issuance should never be the driver in structuring a global insurance program. But the differing consequences of the structures can impact both the overall cost of the tax, ultimately borne by the insured, and also who takes responsibility for the filing and settling of the resulting tax consequences. Knowledge and understanding of such consequences is vital to ensuring a robust and compliant insurance program, which is where specialists such as TMF Group can come into play. So, Joe, tax is often quite a sensitive subject for captives, of course. So could you just explain to us what the relevant taxes are that we're going to be talking about here related to captive structures? Broadly speaking, and as you identified uh, just there, we're, we're looking at indirect taxes and transactional taxes that are arising on insurance premiums or the issuance of a policy. So that's to say taxes that we can attach to a single transaction where they have a direct relationship to the transaction. And it might be easier to, to start by thinking of some of the taxes that we're not considering. So we're not considering taxes on profits or turnover, such as income tax or corporation tax. And we're not considering um, taxes on investments, taxes on capital, or, or even taxes on claims. We're really just looking at that sort of, if you like, point of sale or point of transaction tax, which directly impacts the premium. So in many jurisdictions, we're going to find that there is actually a specific insurance premium tax. The UK, for example, uh, a premium of £100 has 12% insurance premium tax added to it, and the policyholder pays £112. The insurer collects that from them and, and remits the £12 tax to the tax authorities. And there are numerous other taxes like this, albeit called slightly different names. So sometimes they appear as fire brigade charges when you have a, a, a property policy or some, some motor insurance charges as well. But also when we look at non-European, non-EU jurisdictions, we find that often insurance is being taxed with VAT, GST, or other sales taxes on insurance. And then when we consider cross-border insurance, we find there are often withholding taxes on the premium paid out of a country. And again, this is going to have that direct impact 
on the transaction. For example, if we look at New Zealand, insureds paying premiums out of New Zealand are likely going to be required to withhold 2.8% of their premium from the payment they're making, and they have the responsibility then to pay to pay the tax office. And I think we also want to include in here certain pools um, and other premium contributions, such as the, the Garriott in France, the Consorcio in, in, in Spain, that have that direct impact again on the pricing and the value of the premium. And it's not just going to be insurance premiums. We, we, we also need to think about reinsurance as well. There are a number of taxes that quite often crop up on, on reinsurance. The withholding taxes I mentioned earlier, again, a, a reinsurance premium paid out of the country can trigger the withholding tax. But also uh, a fairly common one would be US FET, uh, reinsurance premiums paid out of, of the US can, can trigger that additional charge. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I think that's been a really, really useful actually to set out those taxes, which are all going to come up, I think, in the next 15 minutes of, of this conversation. So that that's gives us some good context and certainly taught me a few things uh, about the different taxes captives pay. Karen, can you outline for us then the different types of captive program structures there are and, and why they might be important relating to these different taxes uh, and or associated costs? Yeah, sure. I suppose the first consideration is whether the captive is writing on a direct basis or working with a fronting partner. I'm, I'm sure Lisa will later on touch on other factors in this decision-making process outside of the tax compliance piece. Where there is a fronting partner involved, most of the insurance premium taxes and parafiscals become the responsibility, although not always the cost, of that fronting insurer. Emphasis on the most there, not all I should highlight. Joe referenced USFET just a moment ago as an example of where the insurer retains the responsibility and liability. But as most of our audience will be aware, many captives write a mixture of direct and reinsurance business, which is dependent on the physical location of the captive and also any regulatory restrictions around where they can write business. Specifically, EU-based captives most commonly write directly into the EU EEA on a, an FOS or freedom of services basis. Just for clarity, FOS, uh, this entails where the captive's utilising its passporting licences, allowing them to issue one single policy for all EU EEA-based risks. IPT and parafiscals are still due in the territories where the risk is physically located. And across Europe, the main responsibility for compliance in this area sits with the insurance company. And the cost may be split between the insured and the insurer but ultimately the cost is borne by the end policyholder. The main responsibility, however, for reporting and settling the taxes falls to the captive or insurance company. There are some, also some more additional complex parafiscals to consider in the EU EEA, as Joe mentioned earlier, such as the Consorcio in Spain, um, the Garriott in France, and also we are seeing increasing reporting requirements being demanded of insurers by the tax authorities, such as those in Italy, Spain, and shortly to be in Portugal. Other areas where the captive may write direct insurance uh, could be on a non-admitted basis where regulations allow. Again, for clarity, this is where the insurer's master policy covers a risk located in another jurisdiction. I.e. in practice, there is no local policy issued in territory via a local resident insurer. Generically, for non-admitted insurance, the responsibility for paying and reporting the taxes on the insurance premium shifts from the insurer back to the local insured or policyholder in the territory where the risk is physically located. 
For third-party insurers and general insurance companies, this removes all responsibility. But obviously, when we're looking at captives, this responsibility has purely moved to another group, company or entity, part of the same parent group. So it's key that the captive has both the knowledge and the ability to support their local insured in fully understanding not only their responsibilities for any liabilities due, but also the practical process involved in reporting and settling those liabilities. Captives and insurers also provide DIC, DIL coverage on a direct basis. DIC, DIL being difference in conditions and difference in limits. This is, again, for clarity, effectively a cover that sits within the master policy over and above the more specific terms and conditions and limits of underlying local admitted policies. Tax authorities may well treat this coverage in the same way as they treat non-admitted insurance, i.e. the tax responsibilities and liabilities sit with the local insured entity and territory. There is a further challenge for this type of coverage from a tax perspective that the captive should consider, regardless of any regulatory challenges, and that is around the practicalities of settling any taxes due. Uh, Our experience shows that, for example, a Bermuda-based captive will physically not be able to register to file and report DICTIL taxes with the authorities in, for example, Spain or Italy. These in-territory practicalities differ per territory, and there's very little consistency in their approaches. Finally, with regards to uh, direct writing structures, A more recent trend in the handling of DIC, DIL and also some of non-emitted insurance is in the FINC, or it's sometimes called FIC clause, the use of a financial interest clause. This is where the master policy deems the associated risk and exposure to sit with the parent company, i.e. the risk location is deemed to be that where the master policy is issued and subsequently is subject to the premium tax treatment of that domicile. Obviously, dependent on the domicile where the master policy is issued, the rate of tax and insurance premiums could be higher or lower than the tax jurisdiction of the territory where the risk is actually located. As a relatively new area of coverage, I'm sure Lisa will have some views on the practicality and also Vodafone's thoughts and experience in this area. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Lisa, as Karen mentions there, IPT is is often a uh, forgotten about tax or invisible cost to the business. So why is it important uh, to have these costs in mind when thinking about structuring a captive programme? Yes. Yeah, so thanks, Richard. I thought it would just be worthwhile to restate the obvious that an insurance premium tax is an additional charge calculated as a percentage of premium. Because this is actually a simple concept that often gets ignored, but when you actually think about it, can add an additional 10 to 20% of the cost to your insurance purchasing, and actually can be even higher with some of the tax rates that we find across Europe. Clearly, I suppose there's not an awful lot that you can do about it, but bear in mind that the premium or the allocation of it reflects the cover and the limits that the insurer is providing, whether this is a fronting insurer, a direct insurer, or the captive insurer. And this itself is driven by the risk tolerance of the policyholder and how much the policyholder is actually willing to retain and how much it actually wants to transfer to the insurer. But one of the many conversations we constantly have at Vodafone is not so much limits of cover, but actually the deductible levels. Because clearly, the lower the deductibles you carry as the policyholder, the more exposed the insurer is. And as a consequence, it attracts a higher premium and therefore the insurance premium tax. And is actually quite a clever way of structuring your insurance program accordingly. And another point I think I'd just like to get in here is that often the benefit of the captive structure is to minimise leakage of insurance premium costs. So depending upon how you're structured, in a good year where the captive has paid out less claims to the policyholder than it has retained in premium, these costs are retained within the group structure. 
However, insurance premium taxes are actually a direct and lost cost from the business. So to some extent, how you design and structure your insurance program can actually have an impact on the insurance taxes that you ultimately pay. So clearly, as it was said in the introduction, this shouldn't be a driver, but actually nothing is ever this simple because typically your risk transfer costs will ultimately be a balance of many considerations and there's always compromise needed, especially when you start navigating the complex world of insurance regulations. Thanks for that, Lisa. In, in some circumstances, and the EU single market uh, being one of them, captives can have a choice between direct writing and using a fronting partner and acting as a reinsurer. How, how do responsibilities change, Lisa, between approaches? And, and is there a balance to be struck between costs, compliance and administration? Yeah, no, this is a really good question. And actually, this can actually really impact how you structure your insurance program and as a consequence, your insurance premium tax um, charges. So Karen's already outlined that where regulations permit, some captives are licensed to write direct on a non-admitted basis. And actually, this really describes the way Vodafone uses its captive. Our captive being domiciled in the EU can write into other EU territories on a freedom of services basis. And then it can write into other territories where regulations permit on a non-admitted coverage is permitted. But I thought for the purpose of this podcast, I draw on two examples that we've actually faced where we've had to amend our program structure, which is actually quite a simple one, as a consequence of collecting and repatriating insurance premium taxes. My first example actually relates to the Garriott taxes in France. And these are quite complicated. And Karen's already alluded to that if you are actually put in a fronting insurer, you move the responsibility to the fronting insurer of actually calculating and repatriating these taxes. And for Vodafone and its captive, this is exactly why we chose why we choose to front in France, because theoretically our captive can write direct into France, but the complexity of these taxes has actually meant that we've made a decision to actually use a fronting insurer in this instance. And my second example relates to Australia, which is a territory where our captive can actually write non-admitted directly into Australia. But there's a complication with this because the withholding taxes that are charged become chargeable to the policyholder directly. So we're not actually paying the insurer and the insurer paying these on. We've actually got the responsibility of having to calculate and pay these ourselves. And as a consequence, we have to use a local broker to calculate and pay these. And that's an additional cost that we've incurred purely because of the administration of, of insurance premium taxes. And I suppose where our captive can't write direct in, due to the local insurance regulations requiring a locally domiciled insurer, you know, typically Turkey, India, we have to use an affronting insurer who actually issues the policies on behalf of our captive. And for the insurance and risk manager, this actually brings even more complexity because you've actually got to start making a decision as to what limits the fronting insurer provides. And actually, as I've said a few moments ago, limits can drive premium. But if you don't have adequate limits in situ, you're then actually beholden to the difference in conditions, difference in limits clauses and the financial interest clauses that Karen mentioned, which actually bring their own complications because the money, any claims money is actually paid into, into group, into the parent. And even though you've paid a premium and insurance premium tax for this cover, the parent has got to move the money back down to the local operating company, which itself brings a whole complexity of other issues and other tax issues. So I would actually say that there has to be a balance, always a balance to be struck between your limits 
and the, the cost and compliance of administration when structuring an insurance program. And IPT is just simply one of these. Thanks, Lisa. That's uh, that's really nice as well to highlight those two particular examples uh, from France and Australia. I'm just going to ask Joe actually a question uh, to dig a bit deeper onto that issue, particularly in, in France. Um, Lisa touched there, Joe, on it actually becoming easier administratively to front into France when they could direct right. Could you perhaps explain some of the additional complexities there would be for captives if they were direct writing into France uh, from the EU? Yes, of course. So um, the... Gariat contributions, which or premiums, which 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 Lisa was referring to, are fairly important to get right. Um, not getting them right can can cause some some problems further down the line. But they're based on a number of different variables, um, including the type of risk that's being insured, the value of the property, um, the number of instances that you have. Or, or locations that you have. So there's a lot of things going on there with the Garriott. And this can be seen in a number of other premiums and taxes across the world. Um, the, the consortia is a good one, where it's actually a, a fairly complicated underwriting calculation that you need to perform in order to, to, to calculate the additional surcharge that you need to be adding to your premium. And Lisa's absolutely right. If, if, if the captive is writing this directly the responsibility for calculating all of these various taxes and charges ultimately falls with the captive so they have to take a decision of, of how they're going to ensure that they get that right now obviously getting the premium fronted the responsibility is going to fall to the insurer and the captive no longer has that concern but there are other ways around this and it is possible to get support from other areas um, uh, in these calculations and lisa mentioned the involvement of a broker, and the broker may sometimes be, be willing to, to help you build these, these calculations and, and, and guide you in the, the correct direction. But the involvement of a broker can also change the calculation itself. So a, a local policy being issued in Australia uh, is taxed in a very different way to a policy being written on a non-admitted basis, and then it changes again when you when you insert that local authorised intermediary. One of the key things that changes is obviously, as we have mentioned, the responsibility for filing the tax. So, do you want your local insured to be responsible for 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 the filing of a local withholding tax? Are they going to be aware that they need to do it? These are these are things that you need to be on top of and aware of. But also, it can change the actual cost of the tax. So by writing non-admitted into Australia, you'll find that you have an extra 3% withholding tax, which, which, which Lisa's mentioned, which wouldn't be there if it was written by a local insurer. Now, obviously, you're, you'll be comparing uh, uh, apples and pears if you, you, to, to look at fronting fees versus the additional cost of tax. But it's certainly something, that's 3% on large risks, that needs to be thought about when making these decisions. Thanks, Joe. I think it's really striking, actually, uh, considering Vodafone and the complexity of, of, say, France, for example, you know, Vodafone has probably got one of the largest, most sophisticated captives in Europe, you know, partly self-managed. I know that Vodafone can do and do do a lot of the stuff themselves. But in the case of that one particular example, even for them, it is particularly complex. And they, and they obviously do look for outside help or, or the use of the fronting company to, to, to not have to deal with that themselves. So that, that kind of, for me, illustrates just 
how complex that that program is in France. Um, Karen, this has been a really thorough run through and explanation on, on some of the important issues and considerations concerning the tax costs and administration regarding captive programs. Perhaps you could share maybe what you think our main takeaway should be from the past uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. Thank you, Richard. And also thanks, Lisa, for your insights. Firstly, let's be clear, as a service provider looking at supporting captive compliance, we're not about or advocating tax minimisation in any way. However, it is apparent that decisions taken on how to structure a programme do have a consequential impact on both the amount and cost of IPT due and also driving who's responsible for reporting and settling tax liabilities. Both of these are key considerations in any captive programme structure and and are part of the decision-making process. I mean, it's clear that it's a a complex area and there are providers such as uh, TMF who can support captives in the full process from consultancy around their responsibilities to ongoing support in the regular filing process. Our captive clients find that access to our global rate tables provides them with information to help support their decision making about um, direct writing compliance responsibilities and their appetite on a territory by territory basis. In addition to outsourcing to TMF the ongoing filing and reporting requirements across all jurisdictions where the captive is writing on a direct basis. Well, thank you to Karen, Joe and Lisa for a really technical and practical explanation of the tax costs and responsibilities regarding different captive structures. If you're interested in finding out more about TMF, then a link to their dedicated page on globalcaptivepodcast.com will be in the episode description. It is simply globalcaptivepodcast.com forward slash TMF. And if you want to hear more about Vodafone's captive strategy, I can recommend checking out episode 20 of the Global Captive Podcast. Again, I will put a link in the episode description. Stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. (laughs) 